All right, well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Eagle Ridge Church. Good to have you with us today. I, I knew the 9 o'clock service was going to be packed. Anytime it's Vikings Packers, it just shifts all of our behavior. But way to go. Way to make it to church. I'm grateful uh, for that. There'll be nobody here at 11, but that's, that's fine. Uh, we are one church meeting in seven locations all throughout the Twin Cities. We have about 11,000 people watching online. Welcome to all of you. Before I dive in today, I want to let you know about an exciting opportunity that we have coming up on September 23rd at all of our campuses. We are launching something called Short-Term Groups. And my wife and I are in a small group, and a few months ago, we started this video curriculum by a pastor named J.D. Greer. And it's on the book of Ephesians, which is what we're looking at on the weekend, and it's great. I mean, he's a really engaging teacher. And so if you're the kind of person who says, you know, I want to dig a little deeper into the book of Ephesians, I'd like to understand the Bible better, or if you're somebody who says, I just want to connect in community. I want to meet some people around church. I want to build some relationships so that I have some folks that I recognize and can kind of do life with a little bit. This is a great opportunity. Just It's no big commitment. It's just several weeks long, but it starts the week of September 23rd, and you can sign up on our website or at the Next Steps area in your campus. All right, well, we are continuing on in our series called Battle Ready. And part of the reason why we launched this series in September is because life is a battle, and it doesn't get any easier as the summer winds down. I mean, all of a sudden, you've got to get school supplies for your kids. You've got to sign them up for sporting events. You've got to make sure they're getting to bed at a decent hour. In the summertime, you're just, oh, whatever, but now it's, let's get back on a routine a little bit. For some of you, you, you go back to work. I mean, you've been on vacation. You've taken a couple trips over the summer. Now you've got deadlines. You've got difficult people that you're dealing with. Some of us are going back to school this fall, and you're wondering, how am I going to pass physics, or how am I going to deal with that person who is, just seems to have it out for me a little bit at school? Every single one of us, I bet, would say at times that your life feels like a battle. And so the question that we're asking in this series is, are you prepared? Are you battle ready? Today's message is titled, I Am Strong, because the Bible makes this amazing claim that you have the same spirit in you that rose Christ from the dead, that you are strong. But if that's true, it kind of raises a question for me. And the question is, well, why then don't I feel strong sometimes? I was thinking about this the other day. I was lying in bed, and I have a broken toe right now. I was out at Willow River in Wisconsin, and they've got these waterfalls that you can kind of cliff jump on, and you can walk into the river, but the rocks are really slippery, and I didn't have any shoes. And I have this thing lately where I forget that I'm old. <laughs> Some of you have had this for a really long time, right? Like, you, you know what I'm talking about. But I forget that I'm not 18 anymore, and so I'm just running around, jumping all over these rocks, and I slipped and fell. And it wasn't like, a, oops, I kind of slipped a little bit. It was both feet up in the air, on my back, came down, and broke one of my toes. So I'm lying in bed, and my toe is throbbing. Earlier that day at work, we had had several difficult meetings, some disagreement, some challenges that we had to work through, and those kinds of meetings can really be draining. And so I came home from work that day feeling tired, feeling exhausted, and then right before bed, my wife was going to try to teach our kids a verse from the Bible and pray with them before bed. And I could tell it wasn't going well. I was in the other room. I could hear the kids just fighting and yelling and all that kind of stuff. So to lighten the mood a little bit, I peeked around the wall, I peeked around the corner, and I went like this. And my intention was because I'm a pastor, 
So you'd think that when we teach our kids the Bible, they'd just be like sitting there and listening. Not at all. I mean, they just, they're not paying attention at all. So I was trying to make light of that situation, but my wife thought I was making fun of her. So when I went like this, her exact words were, what are you laughing at? And before I could like spit out my answer, she goes, no, really, what? And so I just went and went back into the other room. I just didn't even like deal with it or address it. So I'm lying in bed and my foot is throbbing and I'm exhausted from just, you know, feeling beat down from work. And now I've got to talk through this misunderstanding with my wife. And I'm thinking about this verse and I'm thinking about this message. And I'm going, God, you say that I'm strong. You say that I have the same power in me that rose Christ from the dead. But why is it that sometimes then I feel so defeated? Why is it then that sometimes I feel weak and tired? Is there anybody in your life that seems to have more spiritual power than you do? Maybe another way of asking the question is, is there someone that when you look at them, they just, it seems like they have more spiritual strength, that they're going through a difficult time in life and they have this peace and this joy that God's in control and everything's going to work out and be good. Or they don't seem to struggle with temptation the same way that you do, that they have a self-control. It's not that they don't sin, but you can tell that God is working in their life and changing them. In this series, we are looking at a book in the New Testament called Ephesians. And when I was in college, I had actually memorized this book up to chapter 5. Now, I didn't keep up with it, so I don't have it anymore. But it remains one of my absolute favorites in the entire Bible. And today we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 19 to 23. Here's how Paul begins. He says, I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. Paul says, I pray that you would begin to understand. We will never fully comprehend the power of God, but we can begin to understand it. And then notice who this is for. He says, this is for us who believe him. One of the reasons why some people lack spiritual power in their life is because they've never put their faith in Jesus Christ. They wake up every day and they're trying to do everything in their own power and their own strength. Kind of reminds me of a time that I bought six Black Hill spruce trees for my backyard. And when I was talking to the guy on the phone, I said, how, how tall are these trees? And he said, oh, they're six footers. I thought, well, six feet, I'm six feet tall. That's not that, you know, I can carry a six foot tree. But when I got there to pick them up, I didn't realize that they're going to dig deep down to get the roots and bring it up with all the dirt and clay and then wrap that in a burlap sack. And so they put it into my SUV using a bobcat. And that was just the first of six trees. The guy looked at me. He said, do you have anybody to help you unload this? I said, nah, I can get it. <laughs> I drove home. I pushed I pulled, I strived and strained. I could barely move that thing. Finally, I got it out of the SUV and just kind of pushed it onto the ground, and it was just laying there. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to plant this thing in that hole. Thankfully, my neighbor owns a bobcat. Who owns a bobcat? But he just comes over, <laughs> and in two minutes, he had that thing just planted for me. And I thought, that's a picture for how some people live their lives. They wake up every day and they strive and they strain 
and they buy the latest self-help book that tells them how they can help themselves. And the book says, man, you can do it. You got the strength. It's within you. You just got to believe. And they get all fired up and inspired. And then it wears off. And they find themselves tired and exhausted. And the whole time God is over here going, you know, there's a power that's available to you. It's the same power that rose Christ from the dead. Paul says, I pray that you can begin to understand this. Next verse, Paul writes these words. He says, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Could that be true? That the same power, the same spirit that took the lifeless body of Jesus Christ and brought it back again. Because as human beings, we have figured out how to make a lot of powerful things. We're the creators of the atomic bomb. But the one thing we have never figured out how to do, the one power that we've never been able to tap into is to bring a human being back to life. God says that same power that rose Christ from the dead, it lives within you. It's available to you as a believer. See, here's what I believe. All believers have the Holy Spirit, but not all believers are tapping into his power. All believers have the Spirit of God living within them, but not all of us have learned how to use him for his intended purpose. Several years ago, I was speaking at a church out in California, and my message was on contentment. And so I told a story about a time when I wasn't content with a pair of tennis shoes that my family had gotten me. I wanted a pair of blue and gray Raphael Nadal tennis shoes, and they got me a pair of like cheap Reebok running shoes instead. So I told this story in that message, and afterwards this guy came up to me, and he goes, when's your birthday? And I didn't make the connection to this story, so I was a little creeped out. I said, uh, November 5th. He goes, what size shoe do you wear? And that's when it started to click in my brain what he was doing here. And I said, oh, I said, you do, you do not have to go buy me these shoes. I said, I wear size 11. <laughs> and so he walked away and I didn't think anything of it. But around November of that year, I got an email. And in the email, he said, hey, to thank you for coming all the way from Minnesota and to help you celebrate your birthday. He said, why don't you pick out which color you want of these Raphael Nadal tennis shoes? Now, they didn't have the blue and gray ones anymore, and I'm embarrassed to tell you how long I deliberated as to which color to choose. I asked people like Andrew Herman, our campus pastor at Lionel Lakes, and John Alexander, one of our teaching pastors, people whose fashion sense I trust to help me make this important decision. Some of you might be wondering, well, did you ask Bob Merritt, our senior pastor, for his opinion? No, I, I, I did not. Finally, I picked out the color of shoes that I wanted, and when I got them in the mail, this guy had not only gotten me shoes, he got me a matching Raphael Nadal tennis shirt and shorts as well. Here's a picture of the thank you note that I sent to him. My kids are a lot older now, so they don't look like that anymore. But here's the funny thing about those shoes. For the first year that I wore them, the first year that I owned them, I only wore them two times. If it was muddy out, I was like, mm, I'm not going to wear the shoes. If it was raining or snowing, eh, I better not wear the shoes. If it was really dry and dusty and I thought maybe there was some dirt, that, eh, I was like, I'm just going to pass. I'm not going to risk it. Not going to wear the shoes. For the first year that I owned these shoes, I wore them two times. 
Otherwise, they would just sit in my shelf, in my closet, and every time I would open up the closet door, I'd go, man, those are good-looking shoes. (laughs) But I didn't actually wear them. The purpose of shoes is to be worn. That's their intended purpose, and it's the same way for the Spirit of God. You see, all believers have the Spirit of God, but not all believers are using him for his intended purpose. All believers have the Spirit of God, but not all of us are tapping into his power. In Romans 8.11, Paul says this. He says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He says the same spirit, the same power, it's not just available to you, it's actually living inside of you, which begs a question for me. And that is, well, what kind of power is it? I mean, when he says that you have the same power living in you that rose Christ from the dead, there's part of me that's going, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I can shoot lightning bolts out of my fingers? Does it mean that whenever something bad's about to happen, I can just shield myself with that power? I mean, well, I don't get it. What does that mean? Well, in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 1, this is right before he says it's the same power that rose Christ from the dead. Paul starts to give us a clue as to what kind of power this is. Look at what he writes. He says, ever since I heard about your faith in Christ and your love for others, I haven't stopped thanking God for you. He's saying that now that you've put your faith in Christ, now that you have a growing relationship with God, there is a power available to you. It is the same power that rose Christ from the dead. It's the kind of power that can raise dead things back to life. Dead marriages. Some of us came to church today and it was kind of a hard week in your marriage. And you just fight about the same things over and over and you're not really getting anywhere and you're starting to lose hope, and you're starting to think, well, what, what, what do we do? I talked to a man a few weeks ago. He came up front for prayer, and he, he said, my wife has left me, and she doesn't want to go see a counselor or work on the marriage. And I put my hand on his shoulder to pray for him, and as I was praying, I could just feel him shaking with the sobs. And what I would want that man to know today, and what I would want you to know today is that there is a power of God. It's the kind of power that can raise dead things back to life again. And even if God doesn't bring that marriage back to life, I believe that God can heal that man's heart and he can restore his dead dreams and emotions. Some of us have dead emotions right now. And I was trying to figure out this week how to to say this, but some of you, you had someone cheat on you had someone break up with you, had someone leave you, or maybe something just happened to you when you were growing up, and for whatever reason, it's caused you to just go like this, and you're going, I don't want to feel that way again. I don't, I don't want to hurt that way again, and so you kind of keep everyone at a little bit of a distance, and there's something emotionally in you that needs to come back to life. And I'm telling you, there's a power of God that can raise dead things back up within you. But the greatest miracle of all is when God takes someone who's spiritually dead and makes them alive again. In fact, some of you right now are sitting next to a miracle. 
You are sitting next to a husband who didn't want to have anything to do with church, and now he's leading the whole family. You are sitting next to a son or a daughter who was in full rebellion and living a destructive life, and now they're pursuing faith, and you see the power of God. Some of you know a kid at school who was hanging out with the wrong crowd, and now he or she is just different, and you see the power of God working. It's the power of God that can raise things back to life again. By the way, in a few years, some of you will be sitting next to a miracle. They're not there right now. But you keep praying, and you keep trusting in the power of God, and in a few years, I believe that some of you will be sitting next to that miracle. You see, Jesus says that he's given us a gift, and there's a purpose to the gift. In Acts 1.8, he says, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll receive what? You will receive power. It's a power that can make you bold in your faith. It's a power that can give you joy and peace even when bad things happen. It's a power that can help you love people that you don't really want to love and forgive people that you would just assume not forgive. It's a power to live a supernatural life in a very natural world, but you gotta put your shoes on. You've gotta tap into that power on a daily basis. Let me give you two ways that you can do that. The first one is this. Tell someone else about Jesus Christ. Now, I I get it. If I were listening to a message on the power of God, this was not the first point that I would want to hear. I would be going, hey, come on. Power God, sign me up. Help me take away my fears, my anxieties, my struggles. That's what I want the power of God for. But I just have to tell you that as I've thought about this this week, I have never experienced the power of God working more in my life than when I've told someone else about Jesus Christ. Jesus seems to touch on this in Acts 1.8. He says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. Now, I just read that verse a minute ago, and I pretended like there was a period after power, but there's not. It goes on and says, and will tell people about me everywhere. He says, I'm going to give you the spirit of God. There's a purpose to it. There's a purpose to the power. And it's so that you can tell people about me everywhere. When I was growing up as a kid, my dad worked for a period of time as a professional photographer. And he would oftentimes do photo shoots, advertising, clothing, that kind of thing. Here's a picture of an example. He was uh, advertising this sweater for a department store. And so this kid was the, the model for that. But during this time, I was about the same age as this little boy. And so my dad started to think, I wonder if Jason could be a good kid model or not. So he took the sweater and he put it on me. (laughs) And here's the picture that he got. That's not my best moment. Uh, Someone told me last night I look like Chris Farley in that picture. And I think... (laughs) And I think that's kind of (laughs) true. My dad wrote me a memories book several years ago. And in that memories book, it was just memories from my childhood. And he put that picture in there. And underneath in the caption, he wrote, a photographer is only as good as the people that he's working with. (laughs) That's very true. But see, that's how some of us operate with God. We think that God is only as good as the people that he's working with. So if if God's got smart, articulate people who are outgoing and good at speaking in front of audiences, well then, you know, he, he can do something. 
But if not, then his hands are tied up a little bit. Nothing could be further from the truth. When Jesus was beginning the early church, he did not start an American evangelist competition to see who got to do that. He didn't hold a dancing with the apostles and get Peter and Paul and John out there and doing the flossing routine. And I just decided to do that yesterday to connect with a younger audience, but that was so bad, I feel like I lost chips, maybe. It backfired on me, but... But he didn't hold a Dancing with the Apostles competition to see who got to do this. Here's why he chose Peter, Paul, John, and the other disciples. It's because they were available to God. Let me ask you, how available are you to God? That if there was someone in your life and you looked at them and you just thought, man, that person would so benefit from having a relationship with Christ. Not just a going to church, not just a believing, but actually having a real relationship with God. They would so benefit from that. Would you invite them to church? Would you take the time to bring up that topic of conversation? Or would you simply say, God, that's awkward, or I'm too busy, I'm going to go someplace else. How available are you to God? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul writes these words. He says, my message and my preaching were very plain. I didn't make eloquent or persuasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. There's that connection again between power and the Holy Spirit. He says, I did this so that you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. Paul says, I wasn't the smartest. I wasn't the most articulate or eloquent or persuasive. That's not why God chose me. God chose me because he wanted to show his power through me, and God wants to reveal his power through you as well. Several years ago, I began to pray that we could put an Eagle Brook campus in Wyzetta, near where I grew up. And that became a weekly, almost daily prayer for several years. And then I realized one day that nobody was just going to knock at my door and go, we got this campus in Wyzetta if you want it, that I needed to put some action with my prayer. And so I called the district office, and within 45 seconds, they said, no, 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 no. But I have learned that God's power is not limited by a no. So I kept calling, and I finally got a meeting with someone at the district office who was very optimistic, and they were in a position of authority, and they said, I think this could be great for both of us. But then I started to worry. I thought, we just don't have a lot of Eagle Brookers who live way out in the west suburbs. What if nobody shows up? And a couple days after I started to have this fear, I was sitting at lunch at at a Whole Foods in Maple Grove. And this man approached me, and he said, you know, hey, sorry to bother you. I just want to introduce myself. He said, you know, it's funny. I sent an email to the Eagle Brook offices just a couple weeks ago. I said, really? What, what, what was the email about? He said, well, this is kind of nuts. But, but I was asking, I, I, because there's about a group of us that was wondering if Eagle Brook would ever be willing to put a campus in Wyzetta. And I'm looking at him. And then the woman sitting next to me, right at the table next to me, she hadn't said anything, but she leaned over and she said, I'm sorry to eavesdrop, but I go to Eagle Brook too, and I would go to the Wyzetta campus. And I'm like, geez, they're everywhere. Like, like some privacy here. But, it, but all along the way, there was about five different times where I just stood back and I said, God, you've got to be kidding me. Never experienced the power of God like that before that doors were being opened that, humanly speaking, should have remained shut. Opportunities became available that, humanly speaking, should have been off limits, and it was the power of God. 
A few weeks ago, I was filling in as campus pastor out at Wyzetta, and I met this young girl who lives in an apartment complex on the same intersection that my wife grew up on. And she had started coming when Wyzetta opened. And you could tell she hadn't been to church in a really long time. She said, my boss just kept inviting me, invited me once, invited me twice, invited me three or four times. Finally, she came. She said, after that first service, I walked out to my car and she said, I didn't even put the key in the ignition. I just sat in my car for like 45 minutes and she said, I was talking to God and crying. She said, I never knew what a void there was in my life without God. That's the power of God to change a person's life. And all of that happened because her boss invited her. Because her boss said, you know what, I'm just going to invite and then invite again and then maybe I'll try to invite a third time and look at the impact that he had on a person's life. That's the kind of impact and influence that all of us want to have. It goes beyond our life here on earth and it extends into eternity and you will experience the power of God when you are telling another person about Jesus Christ. Here's the second way that you can tap into his power. It's this, you have to put yourself in a position where you need God's power. This is so critical. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, again, Paul says, My message and my preaching were very plain. I didn't make eloquent or persuasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. And then he says this, he says, I did this so that you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. Human wisdom says it's impossible, can't do it. The power of God says nothing is impossible with God. Human wisdom says, I feel so weak, I feel so inadequate. The power of God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but where in life you feel the weakest is where God will be the strongest. Is there an area of your life right now where you go, I just feel so weak and I'm so tired and I'm so exhausted and I'm starting to doubt if I can even do this, if I have what it takes. I am telling you, you are in a position where God's power is about to kick in. Maybe you're planning on adopting or doing foster care, but in your head you're thinking, this is getting really expensive and what if we have behavioral issues? Well, you might. But if you never put yourself in a position where God's power is required, you will never acquire God's power. My wife and I are parents of four kids. We've got a fifth due in December. And I knew that parenting was going to be a challenge, but it's been a little harder than I thought it would at times. In fact, a few weeks ago, I was lying next to one of my kids in bed, just kind of snuggling them a little bit. And they looked at me and they said, Dad, your face looks like a peach. And I actually thought that was kind of a nice thing to say. I, oh, you know, thank you for that. But then, then they looked a little closer and they said, but you've got these spots and sun blemishes and things. And then with your hair, it makes it look like a moldy peach. <laughs> they said, your face looks like a moldy peach. And then they started laughing so hard at their joke that they peed a little on their comforter. <laughs> so then I had to take the comforter into the laundry room and get it washed. And I'm holding... And I said to my wife, I said, that's parenting. They mock and ridicule you, and then you got to clean up their messes afterwards. <laughs> my son Jasper is six years old, and a couple of months ago, at about 10 o'clock at night, he took the screen off of his bedroom window and climbed on the roof. 
and we live in a two-story house that has a fairly steep pitch of roof, and my wife and I were downstairs, we had no clue. We never even would have heard about this until the next day our neighbors told us that they were driving by at like 10 o'clock and they see our six-year-old sitting out on the roof. And so they roll down their window, like, get back in the house. And these are new neighbors. We don't know them very well. I was like, we look like the worst parents. And so there's so many times where I go, you know, I feel embarrassed about this. I feel weak. I feel so tired. I don't know what to do. And more and more, I'm learning to pray this prayer. Lord, fill me with your power. God, I don't have the strength in myself. I, I, I can't do it on my own. But the Spirit of God is in me. And I believe that by your power and your strength, that you will fill me with that power to do what it is that I need to do. By the way, the opposite of this is also true. I was talking to an acquaintance a while ago, and, and I was reminding them that God is with them no matter what. And they looked at me and they said, well, I don't feel God. And they said it like it was God's fault, that God was the one who had moved away. And I knew this person's story. I knew that they had come to church a few times about a year ago, but they hadn't been in, a, in about a year. And they weren't reading the Bible at all. And they had just told me that they had been drunk every night for the last three months. And so sometimes it's you're gentle with people. And then there's other times where you speak hard truth. And this was one of those moments where I spoke a little bit of hard truth. And I said, I'm not surprised that you don't feel close to God. I said, when would God ever have a chance to talk to you right now? If God wanted to talk to you, to say something to you, when would God ever have that opportunity when you're in a sober state of mind? The Bible says don't grieve the Spirit of God. Another translation says don't quench the Spirit of God. Some of us are quenching. We're suppressing the power of God in our life because of a behavior or a sin. If you never put yourself in positions where you can receive God's power, where God can speak to you and work in your life, then, then you'll never receive it. Here's what I believe. When you put yourself in a position where you need God's power, that's when you get it. And so let me ask you, how could you put yourself intentionally this month or this year in a position where you need God's power? For some of you, maybe it's going on a missions trip. And you go, I've never even thought about doing that before. It never even crossed my mind. But you intentionally say, I'm going to take myself out of my comfort zone, and I'm going to put myself in a position where I would need God's power. Maybe you say, I'm going to volunteer in student ministries. We start this Wednesday night. We need more small group leaders, particularly men. I'm telling you, what an opportunity to influence the next generation. And there are going to be times when someone's going to ask you a question and you're not going to know the answer, but you're just going to start speaking and it's going to be smart. And it's going to be the power of God working through. You're going to go, I don't even know that answer, but where did that come from? Some of us, maybe there's an opportunity at work or at school or something where you have an opportunity to take on more leadership and more responsibility or, or to speak at a seminar or something like that. And you're so nervous, you think, but it's way out of my comfort zone. When you put yourself in a position where you need God's power, that's when you receive it. I want to show you the story of Pete and Jada Sanders. They're friends of mine. I met them at a family camp a couple years ago, and they have put themselves in positions where they need God's power, and they have received it. Take a look. 
I'm Jada, and my husband Pete and I had the opportunity to take our kids to Trout Lake Family Camp last summer. And at that camp, Jason Strand was the speaker. His message was, what if, as families, we went into this year with faith over fear, prayer over worry, and surrender over control. I didn't know what it was gonna look like to do those things. But I took the challenge and Pete came home one day with an idea and that was when I needed to start putting it into action. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. Um, I've always been interested in medical missions. An option came up that involved not only me, which I had initially thought, but a chance for my whole family to go to Haiti. There's a lot of needs in other parts of the world and our kids honestly don't even know what those needs look like. You know, this was a chance for us to exercise our faith. And despite some pushback we had, we felt that it was something we were really called to. So we talked about it and we decided this was it. Let's go for it. Having gone once before and knowing a little bit about what to expect, it felt different this time deciding for our family and our kids. Um, there are safety concerns when you travel anywhere and we would receive occasional alerts that it could possibly be unsafe. It was tricky to know how to balance the information from the embassy or other sources and the information from God. But who knows what's gonna happen? God. You know, it wasn't about taking a mission trip. For us, it was just a call to obey. Until we allow him to use us and get us out of where we're comfortable, we're just not seeing that full vision of what God has for us. Once we got there, I just, it was pretty amazing how our kids just, you know, they're immediately having fun, playing with the other kids, and we just felt this calm that, you know what, this is where we're supposed to be. I worked in a hospital there in the city of Laogon. It's a benevolent hospital that's basically providing care for the poorest of the poor. The kids and I had the opportunity to help with a vacation Bible school, both at an orphanage and at a school. And our role was really kind of utility. We were able to play games and do crafts and lead Bible verses. We didn't speak the same language, we were coming from very different backgrounds, but it was really such a beautiful picture of the church working together. There are certain things that transcend language, and two of them that we saw the most on the trip were sports and singing. Sports has a universal language, and that was the fastest way we connected with people. And the other was singing. You don't even have to know the words to the song, but when everyone's singing together, it really does feel like heaven. On this trip and even leading up to the trip, I did feel very weak. And when we were there, I experienced God's power because every day, everywhere that we went, I needed that power. God showed up and God provided everything that we needed, even things we didn't know that we needed until the moment we needed them. The trip was absolutely great. You know, God, God showed up, he led us through the trip. But really for me, it was just the freedom I felt being where God wants me. We're not changing the world in a week, that's for sure. But when you get home, just having that same sense that God's power sustains me. I'm better able to listen to God and better able to listen to his voice. When I'm where God wants me, that's when I'm gonna feel the most free and that's when I'm gonna continue to feel his power.
this trip was our family's next step that we needed to do. And we chose faith over fear and prayer over worry and surrender over control. You know, you don't have to go to Haiti to experience the power of God in your life. But you do have to put yourself in positions where you need God's power. And so let me ask you, what does that look like for you? What if you committed this week to saying, God, I want to pray. I want to ask you, how could I step out of my comfort zone? How could I step into something where I would need your power? Because when you need his power is when you receive it. As we close today, it just struck me that so many people come to church every week feeling tired and feeling beat down from the week. And I just wanted to read this verse to you about God's strength so that he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired. Even young people have times where they just go, man, And young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I want to pray for you today at all of our campuses. You can remain seated. But I want to pray that for those of you that go, I just feel so weak right now. That God really would fill you with his strength. And fill you with his power. Let's pray together. God, if there are people watching online or any of our campuses who are in a spot right now where they go, I feel so weak and I'm tired and I'm exhausted. God, would you fill them with your power? Would you fill them with your strength? As they trust you, God, would you help them to soar on wings like eagles? and walk and not grow faint. God, would you fill them with a reassurance that you are with them and that your power is available to them every day and just at the moments when they need it, they will receive it. God, we thank you for that. We pray in all in Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, come on down front. Otherwise, have a great weekend, everybody.